April.net presents an exclusive interview with Joseph Malazzi and Paul Lilly, showrunners of Stargate Atlantis. For GateWorld.net, I'm Darren Sumner. I'm here with David Reed. We're talking today with Joseph Malazzi and Paul Moley. Thanks, guys. Hi. How's it going? Welcome, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, let's talk, first of all, about SG-1. Sure. Uh, the cancellation news obviously hit everybody like a bomb. What were your thoughts then? What are your thoughts now? Well, I mean, there, I said there are two opinions, really about the cancellation. I mean, on the one hand, a lot of writers feel that we've done 10 years, there's nothing to be ashamed of, and, you know, it had to end sometime, right? And why not go out while we're on top? While other writers, or maybe me in particular, uh, kind of feel a little annoyed that, you know, we, we were still doing... Pretty good numbers. Excellent numbers mm -hmm. on, you know, on sci-fi. And uh, just, it's not like we were creatively tapped. In fact, actually... After season nine, when we took a new direction, I thought it kind of reinvigorated the show. So I thought we could have gone another season, but so basically, why kill a perfectly good thing? Exactly. But that—that's just you, know, you. Yeah, that's just me. <laughs> I I just I don't really think about the politics and everything and and the money and all that stuff. For me, when a show gets canceled, the only question is, was it done creatively? And I don't think we were done creatively. That's not necessarily what drives a cancellation, you know, in the world of television entertainment, you know. Uh, uh, there are a lot of other factors that have to be uh, taken into account, so I don't worry about it in that sense. Like, you know, I'm like, hey, if, if stuff happens, right? But all I know is that I think the show ultimately is still an open-ended concept, you know. That's why Atlantis is still going. That's why Brad and Robert mm. are working potentially on a third third series. And you know, it, yeah. and the, env the adventures are continuing. So yeah, I mean, it's exactly. Not, it's hard the, to sort of be when you've got a ring that takes you to other planets. Yeah, there's there's no there's no ceiling to that as far as I'm concerned. That could go on. Yeah, ten years is a long time, obviously, for any show, and seven years is a long time for you guys to have, have worked on a single mm -hmm. show. Uh, when you look back on SG One in twenty years, what do you think is going to stand out in your mind? Well, I think you, you think you were right. I think that there's the longevity of it, the the, the fact that we spent because for us we had come off we we'd been relatively inexperienced when we came on this show and you had no idea what to expect and then to be here this long, I, I guess you know I look at other mm -hmm. writers in, in the business and see that they go from project to project. We don't know what that experience is like because this has really been our professional life almost with with a few with a few other projects before, but mm -hmm. for the most part. This has been it for us, so it's sort of we don't really have anything it, to compare it to. We, we do hear secondhand accounts of people who have worked on other shows and had terrible experiences. And I mean, if there's one thing I look, I'll probably look back on is just it's always been a fun work environment. I mean, how else would stressful you, at yeah. times? But I mean, my wife will say, "Will come," you know, as occasion has come by, and she's like, "You guys have the luckiest job in the world because you know, she comes by, we're always sitting around, we're laughing, you know, we're discussing <laughs> stories." Or how know. else, frankly, could we have gone as long as we went? Right? Like, what you couldn't do a job this long if every day you were going, "Oh God, I can't, I, I don't want to go to work today." You couldn't do it. The, the, the creative energy that's required to do a job like this, if you didn't like it and weren't having fun, you wouldn't last as long as we've last, lasted here in these offices. I mean, literally, we've been in the same offices, although mm. they've been expanded, as you can see, since mm -hmm. our promotion. But, uh, but we've been in this, literally in this spot for, for, what, 10 years now? Something like that? It feels like, I, mean, it's like, I guess this us. is our eighth yeah. year. You know? Um, 
it's it, that's that's he, he hit the nail on the head. You know, the fact that it's fun to come to work is what makes that possible for us. So now uh, with Atlantis in season four, the two of you have been promoted to showrunner. Mm -hmm. Tell us uh, for the uninitiated, what uh, what does that mean? We get to deal with the network. I mean, we've always dealt with the network on a on a on a script by script basis, but now sort of we deal with the network on big picture issues. We deal with the studio on big picture issues, and then just at the end of the day, um, you know, the buck stops here, I guess, in terms of. Uh, creative decisions and I mean it's it's always been on Stargate it's one of the great things working with Rob and Brad it, you know they've always been sort of very complimentary and sort of willing to sort of you know you know listen to everyone's ideas and and that's how sort of you know the show and the stories get spun and and you know the arcs get developed is like everybody you know gets to weigh in and has a say um, you know but uh, you know at the end of the day if the fans are sort of shaking their want to shake their fists at someone and blame someone for, you know, for a creative decision, then, uh, you know, Paul and I will be the targets. Well, there have certainly been some controversial decisions over the last mm -hmm. several months, uh, a lot of which were not on your watch, specifically. Mm -hmm. but well, you have to wait and see what happens on our watch. <laughs> 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 yeah. For the, uh, for the, uh, for the rage to de to develop, yeah, I I mean you're right. I mean stuff. A lot of a lot of things have changed. We can't technically, I guess, be held responsible because we weren't we weren't the people in charge. But it's like Joe said. I mean, it's it's always been a collaborative yeah. thing here uh, with Brad with Brad and Robert with for us now with with uh, Martin and Carl and Alan. Um, you know, we're all we all sit in the room together and make these decisions together. So there's no point really in anybody. Mm -hmm. Being singled out for a specific blame, mm -hmm. if that's if that's the word we're looking though, at. Though right I should now. <laughs> mention, well, we're uh, Martin Garrow, who wrote Sunday, did a wonderful job on <laughs> that particular episode, which he wrote. It's a fantastic episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which Martin wrote. Yeah, Martin, <laughs> Martin Garrow. Yeah, that's that's the problem, though. Again, again, yeah, you know, people look at the name, the written by or the, or the producer name or whatever, but uh, you know, that's often. It's it's not an illusion. He did write the script, but it's not like he just said, "I'm going to write this story." And then you know, surprise us with idea, us. and then surprises with him. We go, "Oh my god, I can't believe Martin did that!" You <laughs> know, like that's not the way it works here, right? So we had, we we discussed a story idea. We had uh, there was a there was an element to that story that we that we decided to put into it that was a decision that we all made. You know, it's the way it goes. So I think a lot of fans are asking, why was that decision made? Was it was it to to give the show a boost in terms of danger? Um, well, I mean, there is that. I, you know, I mean, I've always I, liked shows where the, re, uh, the, the audience is never wholly, let's say, comfortable or at ease or never knows what mm -hmm. to expect. I always bring up the example of uh, Spooks, which is MI5 here in North America, the, the British series where, you know, you, Nobody's you safe. No, yeah, mm -hmm. no one is safe. And I said, uh, you know, in sci-fi, sci-fi viewers get the best of both worlds because, you know, we can tell those type of stories or, you know, put in those type of twists. But, I mean, he's, you know, in the case of Daniel Jackson, he's gone, he's dead, and then a year later he, you know, he descends and comes back. Comes back. I mean, you know, you're not going to see that on Grey's Anatomy, right? So... <laughs> But also, just in terms of the uh, the decision on Sunday, I mean, it uh, 
it, it made sense for the story. It, it, it um, in much the same way that um, I guess Heroes Part Two was memorable and and I, I guess had such an impact was because of you know what happened at the end to 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 Fraser. You know, much the same way. Uh, I think you know Sunday will have that similar impact on, on fans, and obviously it has as we await the uh, the fan demonstration <laughs> today. Is there any, any glimmer of hope for those fans that uh, we might see Paul again in some way, shape, or form? Well, as I said, you know, no one ever dies in sci-fi. Um, it's funny, I, I was looking at, at uh, the province, I did an interview with the province, and one of the things I said to the province was, I'm, I'm very impressed by the way the Carson Beckett campaign has sort of formed and has gone out and, you know, reached out to sort of the various media outlets and... and, and the guy from the province was like, you know, can't, you know, ask the same thing. You know, is there any hope? Can't you give them, you know, you know, any hope? And I said, well, I'll tell you what. If, you know, is, the, what they've done has been very impressive. If you guys can get your story on Access Hollywood or Entertainment Tonight, not Entertainment Tonight Canada, <laughs> point out, uh. then, uh, <laughs> then you know, we're, we're planning the back half of season four. We'll bring them back for at least two episodes, and in, 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 you know, that we're working on now, and you know, we'll see. So you are. Mm, I'm saying basically if they can get the uh, <laughs> Access Hollywood <laughs> or Entertainment <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> so season four of Stargate Atlantis, mm -hmm. how would you say uh, this is going to be different from what we've seen? Well, I was just looking over the stories and in terms of sort of character development, in terms of big arc progression, a lot happens especially in the first half I mean basically now we're just starting to get into the back half but I mean we're exploring aspects of the Wraith or uncovering aspects of the Wraith that we didn't know before we the same applies to the, to the replicators we're introducing a new race of technologically advanced um, humans sort of a wild card which is something we've always wanted to do um, I think season four if you look back on SG1 season three four was the point where the show, and I think it's typical on, on shows, particularly science fiction shows, the first couple of seasons you're, you're spinning your wheels a little bit, waiting to see what's, where the traction is gonna come, right? Um, you're trying different ideas, you're trying different characters, you're throwing stuff out there and, and waiting for things to sort of catch. And season four of Atlantis, I think, is the season where some of that is starting to happen. We're starting to get into some, some arc stuff uh, in terms of the characters and things like that. Um, bigger picture, longer term type things. And I think I think that's around the time, you know, that's that that timeline is about right for a series where you've where you're starting to get a sense of mm -hmm. of of what the show really is, you know, and and uh, hopefully it's often a make or break kind of thing for a show, you know, cuz cuz if you get those elements right, then you sort of launch yourself into the future kind of thing and then hopefully that's what season 4 will do for Atlantis. So the Wraith will still continue to be a major presence. The yep. Replicators are still around. Mm -hmm. Yep. What can you tell us about the new race? Well, basically what I said, I mean, they're one of the things that SG-1 had that Atlantis never had was, you know, we would never run into technologically advanced, you know, people because whenever they would start to get technologically advanced, the Wraith would come in and wipe them out. So basically, we created a scenario by which we could introduce such a race, and there's sort of a wild card. I've always liked, you know, races like the Janai or, you know, what I we attempted to do with the Lucian Alliance and SG-1, which I didn't think was totally successful, but kind of wild cards that are out there that, you know, can Aren't be necessarily helpful, good or bad. But yeah, exactly, but can be a bit of a hindrance as well. 
So, I mean... The problem with the Janai is that they don't have the technological advancement, right? Yeah. Um, like everybody in the... They have that same problem that we have with everybody in the Pegasus Galaxy except for the Wraith, you know, because the Wraith do that on purpose. They don't let anybody get to that to that level. So we have to find ways to find people who are, who are at a higher level technologically so that they can be a challenge for us to deal with, right? And hopefully this, these people will help, you know, we'll, uh, we'll deliver on that. Do they have names yet? Mm, you didn't name them, do you? No. Uh, there, there's no, like, there's no, like, alien yeah. name attached to them yet. They don't have a race name, if you will. Uh, SG-1 ends with a pretty major uh, change for the Stargate universe with Earth acquiring the Asgard's knowledge and technology. How does this change the Stargate universe moving forward? Because you still have to do well, episodes of Atlantis. It's true that we did receive all that cool you know, technology from the Asgard. However, at the end of the episode, it's clear that, you know, we, if we attempt to access it for the time being, it'll alert the Ori to our presence and basically we'd just be inviting the Ori upon us. So, you know, for the moment, it's not something that we can access and make use of. Eventually, you know, if and when the Ori are ever dealt with, then it's something we, you know, hopefully will be able to roll out, you know, in times. So you think, you know, like these things take time, of course. Um, if, you know, it's it's you know we're not going to be ha you know have all their technology overnight but you know over time it's maybe something we will implement into the show if and when the Orion ever dealt with like the X three hundred three it took a while for exactly. to come around. right 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 uh, let's talk a little bit about Elizabeth Weir uh, why the change and what can you tell us about her role in season four mm. Mm. well. I never know how much I'm allowed to give away in these situations. You can get the fans already know that, <laughs> that we've changed it up. Yeah, they see the online me. fans now. Um, I think, you know, when you change a character out, you it's you don't want to you don't want to just you want to do it in a way, in such a way, particularly for us, that leaves things maybe a little bit open ended, and. Like, you know, Joe said, nobody ever dies in science fiction. That doesn't just mean that you kill a character and then magically bring them back, right? Like, you, you, it has to make sense within the, within the logic of the, of the world. And it has to have an impact. Like, it has to... I think the first two episodes of season four are actually, even though they're the episodes where the Weir is essentially, for the time being, being written out... They're actually great stories for her character, and 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 that's the way to do it. As I'm, as far as I'm concerned, they, she has an incredible impact in the moment in those two stories. And in fact, those two stories wouldn't happen if it wasn't for that character doing what she does. And then at the end of those two stories, she's kind of still out there. And, and yeah, we kind of launch her in in a new direction, and it's a very interesting, I think, very interesting, very different direction from, you know, the the weird character that we know. Um, you know, hopefully it's something we will be able to pursue and de develop over time. That will really depend on, uh, you know, Tori's availability and, and, and as always, the, the, you know, the stories we come up with. But, um, you know, she, you know, we're not going to lose a character entirely. 
So it's maybe a situation that's comparable to Lieutenant Ford in season two, where he's out there and could come back. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, tell us a little bit about Jewel State and her casting as Dr. Kelly. Keller. 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 Um, oh, what can we say about Jewel? We're extremely excited to have Jewel on the show. She's been on the show before, of course. You know, she was she in did an excellent job for us. Unfortunately, unrecognizable. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, it was it was kind of crazy. She when she read for that part. I was actually surprised that she even came in, and, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's Jewel State!" I mean, we're gonna and we're gonna make her look like a monster. What are we What are we doing? But on the other hand, we also said, "Well, this is great because it means we can." She's not recognizable. She's we're not using her up in this in this moment, right? This 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 actress can come back as a normal human, and we and it won't be a problem. So there's always the possibility of bringing her back because she was so awesome in that episode, and and. And frankly, did not just not just was it wasn't just that her performance was great on screen, but what she went through to to uh, to deliver that performance. I mean, it was a very difficult the, the prosthetics and those contact. I mean, ask Joe about the contact lenses; he'll tell you they're they're uh, they're not fun to wear. Um, but and now the she fact that she was able to emote through all of that mm. crap on her face and still be an effective character, uh, you know, it was just we just were so impressed and. Now the opportunity to bring her back and actually see her face, we're like, we're like, well, this is great. And so far, what we've seen of her on, you know, we've seen we watch the dailies coming up here at lunchtime, and she's just she looks awesome. And yeah, if there's one thing excited. that we can say about her, I mean, besides the fact, you know, it's 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 great to work with her, she's really pleasant. And the thing is, she's an excellent actress. I mean, bottom line, just you know, watching the dailies, we, I mean, we've seen her in Firefly, and we loved her in Firefly, but you know. Seeing her in the dailies before, you know, the editors got a chance to sort of, you know, to work with with, with the particular episode, mm -hmm. just see kind of that raw footage, and you recognize the talent, and she's very talented. She just did yesterday did a whole surgery sequence, and uh, apparently the we have a surgeon on set, a brain surgeon <laughs> on set who was quite impressed. He said he said to Martin Wood, who was directing that that. Um, that she, that uh, Dr. Keller and the, and the woman playing the nurse, who's I'm, I'm afraid whose name escapes me right now, were incredibly believable. He was like, you know, they're they're doing, he's they're doing, they, they I believe them, I believe them as 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 a brain surgeon and nurse. So I mean, and he's a brain surgeon himself. So that's a seal of approval, yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah. Fantastic. What does Amanda Tapping add to the show this year? Um, well. Hopefully, besides the recognizability that you know, sort of, you know, the SG One fans who are big Amanda Tapping fans will, you know, be tuning in as well. Um, I mean, she, you know, she has the leadership qualities that she displayed as, you know, the leader of SG One for a while. Um, she's got the military background, so that I mean, she's got the connection with Shepard, and if we needed to go off world, we don't have to come up with like crazy excuses to sort of wedge her into a story. If we want her off-world, we can, because she's got the military background. Uh, she's got the science background, so basically she can take some of the, uh, some of the heavy expository dialogue from McKay or, and Zelenka, but she can also do kind of the back and forth and kind of the fun, you know, exchanges with uh, McKay as well. And, uh, you know, speaking of excellent actresses, you know, Amanda's another great example. I mean, I've often said that Technobabble is very difficult to do. You know, um, David and David do a terrific job and it just, it, it'll be great to sort of have, you know, Amanda in there and sort of take some of the weight off, but also kind of, you know, make it a little more fun as well. Mm -hmm. uh, is she taking over as the new leader of Atlantis then? 
Maybe. <laughs> Come on, guys. You know you want to. It's, uh... I'll, leave the, I'll let you answer this one. You're, you're more experienced dealing with these. Uh, Magic Eight Ball says... <laughs> <laughs> maybe. It, it adds an interesting story mm -hmm. element because Atlantis was was started very deliberately as, as a civilian as a civilian international group. Yeah, and thinking about militarizing it. Right. Well, that's why she's an interesting character because she 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 brings two worlds together, right? The military world and the scientific world, um, which allows us a certain luxury, you know, of having mm -hmm. having those two elements in one person. Let's us get away with some stuff, and in terms of how we how we deal with those issues, the, is it a civilian or is it a military? Because I mean, that's to me, that's part of the show, that debate, that argument, and it has been over the over the first three seasons. And you know, Weir and Shepard have both had to deal with that that issue um, with the IOA and, and and things like that. So uh, bringing Amanda in just I think makes that that complex world even more interesting, basically. Also alludes to the possibility that the defense is going to be a lot more necessary. That we need more military involvement because we're being mm -hmm. perhaps pursued more now. Well, we've we've always, you know, the, the threat has always been out there. I mean, and in terms of sort of defenses, we're constantly sort of upgrading the technology we have. So I mean, we'll see some of those technological upgrades in, in season four as well. And you know. It, Again, not to give too much away, but very on in the bit in in season four, early in season four, um, sort of the, the big galaxy picture takes a sudden, unexpected shift. And uh, again, I can't say too much about it, but uh, it uh, you know, in terms of sort of the threat level, sort of is constantly changing and it goes one way, goes another way, and it's. Um, something to look forward to, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> well, you've already told fans that uh, we're going to focus on on doing character episodes. Each each main character gets kind of a spotlight episode. Yeah, in the first half. Yeah, in the first yeah. half of the mm -hmm. season. Yep. Can you give us any hints about those? Um, well, Travelers is uh, just off the top of my head is the it's kind a, of the Shepherd episode. It's a Shepherd episode that that introduces the, the new characters we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Reunion is a, is a episode that deals a little bit with with Ronan's past. You see a little bit more of his mm -hmm. uh, where he's from and what and in his backstory. Missing, you got Taylor and uh, Keller. T missing is the beginning of a, of a bit of an arc for Taylor. Mm -hmm. We thought Taylor got a little bit. Get a little bit forgotten in season three, and through no, it was no, it was nothing deliberate. It just kind of happened, and and we wanted to address that. That I thought that was a little bit of an imbalance that needed to be addressed, and so we came up with a, a kind of an arc for her character that starts in missing, mm. but also introduces also introduces Keller, I think, in a good way. I mean, she's not mm -hmm. literally introduces; she's she's already in the show, but it's a one of the bigger episodes for her character where you we learn a few things about her. McKay's um, got a story. Which we're bring, we're bringing back. Uh, McKay's sister, Janie. So, so there's another story there that focuses on that on those two characters. Carter uh, gets a story in uh, the Seer, mm -hmm. and that's more about the challenges of being the leader. You know, of of because she's always been, you know, she's she's been on SG One, but she's never had to deal with the, the sort of the big picture issues of of being the boss of the base. A little bit like what what O'Neill went through in uh, Zero Hour. In Zero Hour, you know, that kind of 
oh, now I'm the man kind of thing. I, now i got to deal with all these problems. So there's a, we explore that a little bit in an episode called The Seer. And interspersed throughout, there are a bunch of team episodes. Um, We've got a pretty good balance. Yeah. I think we're happy with the, with the balance of stories. Big, in terms of you know, big visual effects episodes. We've got you know small sort of character-driven episodes. We've got, uh, you know, just... We've this is all like first a, half. Yeah. Who, who knows what's going to happen in the back half? But yeah. uh, <laughs> surprises in store. Plenty of surprises in store for season four. So you guys have a favorite yet? For the first half? Hard to say because, yeah, you know, I mean, we're, just, we're really just starting in terms of shooting. It'd have to be going on scripts and yeah. I don't think I do yet. No, it's really hard. I, I think mean, we're, we were in good shape. There, there, some, you know, there have been a number of times when I thought, oh, this isn't a great script. And then I see it on, you know, finish and I, and I think, wow, that turned out really well. And conversely, I've seen episodes where, or epic scripts where basically I thought, oh, this is going to be great. And then basically when the episode is done, I'm like, this is a disaster. <laughs> uh, so... I think uh, I'm going to hold off on uh, passing judgment on any of the episodes. Any uh, any final words for fans who are getting ready to tune in this fall? Well, a I hope they tune in this spring. Yeah, <laughs> that's yes. in a way that's our bigger concern right now. Even though it's odd to say that because we're working on season four, there's been such a big gap in the United States on sci-fi between between the back the front and back halves of seasons uh, ten and three. Uh, well, we're hoping we didn't lose anybody. Um, you yeah, know, at the end of the day, gap, yeah, we we need those people to come back and and watch because there's no point in watching season three really if you haven't watched. I mean, season four if you haven't watched the back half of season three, right? Everything, all this stuff is set up in the back half of season three. And, and really, uh, our pickup on season five for season five will probably for the most part be dependent on that back half of season three because we're airing so late. Uh, in the fall uh, on season four, you know, if there, if a decision is made on season five, it'll probably be made before, probably before we even air, Maybe, or just having it having aired a couple of episodes season four. So a lot of it's going to depend on okay. season three. Hi, I'm Rachel Luttrell, and this is GateWorld.net, your complete guide to Stargate. Wormhole disengaged.